everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mic. Uh, again, I hope you can tell that you don't have your usual hosts on with you this week. Uh, but yeah, I'm Beth and John. I'm um, an ex-neurosurgery trainee and soon-to-be GP trainee. Ooh, ooh. And I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Nina, uh, Nina Jar. I am a GP with a special interest in emergency care and all things Christmas. Oh, hi, Nina. Hi, Bevan. How I'm are you, man? I'm just a little Christmas tree. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I'm just looking at your little Christmas tree in the background. Very cute. And same. And at penguins for Bobby. He's like, know, penguins man. aren't Christmassy. Yeah. Hello. Chris- Christmas and his his wonderful winterval period. Um, but yeah, the boys, I think, have got something planned this week. So they've asked us to do another takeover episode, which I think is very brave on their part. Uh, but we had such a lovely reception after the last episode, didn't we? We really did. We were a bit blown away, actually, by that, weren't we? <laughs> I know. I was like, well, were they listening to the same thing that we were? <laughs> I know, man. We were just being completely goofy and just... I actually forgot we were recording a podcast last time. I know. It was it was like good fun, normal. wasn't it? It was really good fun. Have you got your tea ready? Yeah, I've got my two bottles of gluten-free beer, actually. Have you? <laughs> Lined up, ready to oh go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Look, I've got a cup of tea and a glass of squash. Oh, you're so wholesome. I'm such I such a wholesome person. <laughs> but yeah, we're so we're so grateful to, to be asked back to do this. It's um, No, we really yeah, are, man. Yeah. It's really nice. And yeah, thank you for the really lovely um, reception. But yeah, I think like just going straight into things, it actually feels like we're probably like two of the only doctors that have not tested positive for for COVID at the moment, doesn't it? I know. Unless you have, like, have you or? No. Oh God, I hope I haven't got COVID. No, I haven't. But my sister got COVID on Christmas Eve. And I swear she did it on purpose because it was like (laughs) the first year she's ever meant to be hosting Christmas at her house. And then she sent us a message on Christmas Eve saying, oh yeah, I got COVID. And it was in such a casual way. I was like, (laughs) we all thought she was joking. I was like, what? You oh, got beeping COVID on beeping Christmas Eve. But um, no, she's fine. Is she doing okay? Oh, yeah, she's fine. She's completely fine, oh, actually. Good. But, she's, but yeah. Yeah. How are you good. doing? How was your Christmas? Yeah, it was really good. Like, also, I think I managed to escape COVID. And I hope that everyone who has had it and has been isolated, I hope they're kind of all recovering and, and recuperating and stuff. But yeah, it was good. It was just chilled with my parents. Um I had some lots, well, I had lots of nice presents. I had lots of face creams, which I'm not sure I use, <laughs> I should be like using all at the same time, but I am. And like, my face is incredibly sticky because <laughs> I just put like all the serums and all the creams that I've bought. Like I go out and I feel like flies and dust just sticks to my face. But they like, made yeah, your face put them change, all on. Have they made your face change color yet? Like remember you had that no, cream that made your face I know, orange. That orange, but no, I, I think you'd agree, Nina. I now look like a four-year-old from like a 32 32- <laughs> <laughs> so the creams are doing something thank god the thank god the listeners can't see us right now but what did you get yours? from um what did you get from father oh. christmas so yeah i had the creams which i liked uh i also had i had some new um some new dap some new shoes and then also a random uh, which i am very grateful for but it's a very practical present i just had a a, a set of new saucepans and frying pans <laughs> it was a really big box and i was so excited unwrapping it and then had to be excited obviously (laughs) but um yeah it was one of those practical presents that you're like yeah I do really need that but also that big box kind of got me all excited for something else (laughs) I was like oh my god a new puppy (laughs) but alas it was not what about yourself oh I can't remember but 
I always get a present from Father Christmas. So my mom will give us presents. Oh, hang on. Spoiler alert. If you've got any kids under the age of 18, you should probably put this on. Fast forward the next... 18? What? what? 18? Yeah, 18. The next 30 seconds or so. What? 18? Yes. You know, you never know, Bethan. Stop ruining the magic. Um, Sus. Yes. Yeah, so um, we still get presents from Father Christmas every year. So my mom gets us matching... Me and my sisters, like matching Nick Knox, like matching Nick still. But um, did I tell you about how my younger sister found out that Father Christmas wasn't real? Uh, I don't think you have. Please share. It was awful. So we'd gone on, she was about four years old. And we'd gone on a holiday to Turkey. And they were just doing a tour around some churches or something. And then he stopped at this tomb. And then he was telling us about St. Nicholas. And I was like, (laughs) I was just looking at my mum like, hang on, mum, St. Nicholas, that rings a bell. And then he just said there was loads of families on this tour. And he just said, oh, when St. Nicholas died, a.k.a. Father Christmas, this is where his body was buried. And all the... All the parents were just looking at each other in complete shock. But like, was that was he was he real then? Yeah, yeah, yes. What? I'm so confused now. I thought Santa Claus was made up. I didn't think he was a real person. No, he's a real person. There's like a real person behind the legend. If someone can clarify that, that would be absolutely great. <laughs> Why don't you believe me? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like this is brand new information. Oh, yeah. no, I swear. I swear I'm not telling a lie. I swear it's the truth. Okay, okay. But, but anyway, my sister found out very young that Father Christmas was dead. She Aww. saw where his body was buried. So my mum tried to... Um, Make it make her feel better by saying it's his spirit that comes every year. <laughs> it's a ghost that haunts us every December 25th. Exactly. So my sister's like, every year after that, she was scared that this ghost was going to come through her window oh, on Christmas bless Eve. Oh, but bless her. Has she kind of got over it now, though? No, of course she hasn't. It's still a sore point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'll tell you who else didn't take a break over Christmas. It wasn't just Father Christmas. It was also bloody med Twitter. Oh, my goodness me. Tell me about it. What was going on this week? When when Sarusha Nimran said to us, will you do another takeover episode because we've got something else planned? I genuinely, when I found out what dates it was going to be, I genuinely thought we were going to have the easiest round. I know. (laughs) Me too. No one's going to be posting drama over Christmas. Well... We can How say wrong that again. We? But there was How something wrong? that everyone came together on. Mm, like yes, primary, secondary care, seniors, juniors, they all like came together and agreed on one thing, which was the PPI. <laughs> yeah, PPIs. I think we were like the only two people that didn't tweet about PPIs over Christmas. Yeah, I didn't tweet about it, but I very much reveled in the goodness of a PPI. I think I dread to think like how much Gaviscon I've like swigged. I've never over had the past week. Really, I've never had Gaviscon or a PPI in my. Oh my gosh, girl, you haven't lived. Now, do you know what? I think it was. I think it's being Indian. Like my, you know, we had like chili sprinkled on our baby food and masala chai topped <laughs> up on our baby milk. Like my mum has made like our stomach linings indestructible now. Excellent. So. Oh god, cheese, cheese and prosecco <laughs> has just killed me this past week. But I would, I would do it all again. It kills me anyway. Like that's most, like mostly what I live off. But 
even more so on Christmas time. But yeah, it was it was funny. Um, I think in through showing him, Ran, if you're looking for your next kind of sponsorship deal after Yorkshire Tea, I think next year might be yeah, <laughs> might exactly. be the way to go for, <laughs> for for next year's Ask Us Anything kind of prize uh, prize pop. But yeah, that was that made me laugh. And what I also liked as well was seeing um, everyone's like Christmas dinner lists. I don't know if you saw them, but they all look like jobs lists. Oh, so it was yes. like it was like I get the turkey out the a- fridge. <laughs> The little, the little shaded box. And the sh- yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh my god! If the, you know, one thing that like being a doctor has prepared us for is making a bloody good list. But that I really enjoyed that. That was good. That, that was, was funny. Good. Um, but after the kind of the wholesomeness of the the PPI and and Gaviscon appreciation, it really did feel like Med Twitter took a bit of a a nosedive. Uh, nosedive yeah. from there. I mean, what Med Twitter drama wouldn't be complete without a GMC tag, right? Absolutely. And I think that's probably a good place to start with with um, the boss that is kind of Dr. Philip Lee. And he's been a guest on the podcast before um, with Imran and Tharusha. And he's just kind of Phil Lee, like he's the hat man. He's the jokes guy. He's the meme guy, the meme guy, meme guy, meme guy, meme Me, man. Me, meme, meme, I think. Me, 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 me. Um, He's but the yeah, everyone Don, knows. isn't he? Don of Med yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Everyone knows kind of Phil Lee. But um but yeah, not only uh, did Med Twitter not take a break over Christmas, but it feels like transphobe Twitter didn't take a break either. Um, it's a pity they don't take a break full stop, but hey-ho. <laughs> but for, for anyone um, who's unsure, kind of transphobe and, and turf are these kind of synonymously terms, I guess. Uh, transphobe is quite self-explanatory, but turf, spelled T-E-R-F, um, stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Um, and these are essentially feminist groups or people that reject the fact that trans women are women um, and exclude kind of trans women from women's spaces, essentially. And it started with Phil quote tweeting a tweet by a lady called Julie Bindle. Um, and she's a radical or allegedly, I should say, um, a radical feminist writer. She's She's been critical of transgenderism um, and she has, um, uh, well, I'll just say some views uh, about transgender people and transgender rights. And her tweet was essentially kicking off to say that Waterstones, specifically in Crouch End, hadn't put her book on display as it didn't keep in with their values. And... Phil was just essentially mortified that he had frequented the same Waterstones <laughs> in Crouch End as this lovely individual, which I think is is totally fair. Um, but yeah, it's just always the way, isn't it? Like any kind of opinion that people don't tend to agree with, you always have that threat of like people just tagging in the GMC. I think were they accusing him of trolling or? Yes, I, I mean, for me, this kind of brought up two separate issues. So one issue is, are we ever allowed to shed our doctor identity on social media? Like we always have to conform to these imposed professional standards at all times. So that was like one of my issues. And then the other issue is why do people think that transphobia, homophobia, whatever it is, why is that even a debate to be had? Exactly. But, you know, tra- the being a trans ally is not, is not really kind of not being professional, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. that, you know, that doesn't kind of blur the waters of professionalism. That is professionalism exactly. in my book. But essentially, people, anyone who doesn't agree with you just gets that chip on their shoulder and starts taggy, taggy, tag, tag. Um, and it's always the it's always the GMC. And we know Phil's been in this position before. And 
was it last time I think the GMC actually responded yes. to yes, the did. individual um, and essentially it sounded like a generic response didn't it but they were kind of encouraging that person to actually go on the website and, yep. and make a complaint which yep. is just incredibly um, short, short-sighted Um so we hope that, I know we saw Phil kind of had to lock down his account and stuff, and we hope that he's okay in that respect. Um, but yeah, they even started coming out, I say they, I, I mean kind of transphobe Twitter, um, which are unfortunately a thing, but started saying, you know, that if like, um, what was it, that if if someone of those opinions ended up in his hospital, then it's clear he wouldn't treat them. And he even had to say, um, I think he even had to tweet that, that's definitely not the case. Like I'll treat anyone. And he, he actually tweeted, there's no prerequisite. I have to like my patients. They're not my friends. In fact, it's best that we aren't friends. It's a professional relationship. Whatever views you hold when you're unwell, it's irrelevant. Like, so th- how does it go from that to like accusing him of of this? Like, That's the thing. It's one plus one makes three, isn't it? They, they just mm. go to the complete extreme. But I am kind of, I'm always surprised when people tag the right GMC. Because you remember there was a, a, there's a, a while back, there was this thing where people were tagging like at GMC, but that's the General Motors, Motors company oh, yes. in America, I think it is. Yeah, I remember so, that. Uh, whereas our, our regulatory body is at GMC UK, but people were just tagging I the General Motors company. They must have been thinking, who are these British doctors? Like, do they work for us? Like, do we need to do something about them? So people people are obviously like getting more in tune to it, which is not a great thing, even though we jest kind of thing. Um, but it's it's a really difficult subject, isn't it? And we do hope Phil is okay. But I just did want to I did want to bring up one specific reply, which is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, and it was one of the uh, one of the individuals who came right out and asked Phil, are you able to distinguish between the sexes, doctor? If one of your elderly patients is unconscious, how do you know they are male or female without asking them? Genuine question. Oh my God. I mean, this question was absolutely... Rid- I thought it was taking the taking the mick, but it wasn't. She was genuinely no. asking. I mean, <laughs> the comments, like if you have an unconscious elderly patient, believe it or not, we have more pressing priorities with regards to what to that patient care than what their genitals look like. Exactly, exactly. And I hate it when they say like genuine question. I feel like that's the equivalent of when people say, oh, playing, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like it's not a genuine it's question. It's not a genuine question. You're just being a dickhead. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, did, there didn't was Didn't you some mention that um, A, B, C, D, E approach? Airway. Yeah, yeah there was a few. Circulation. Um, yeah, Niall had another good take. Um, and I think he said, obviously, a, B, C, D, E, F, G, and that's airway, breathing, circulation, don't ever forget <laughs> genitals, <laughs> which I thought was, uh, yeah, quite good. Um, and Phil had another one as well. Airway, breathing, check genitalia to identify sex, <laughs> circulation and disability, which is good. They've got airway and breathing in there first, kind of important. But um, but yeah, Phil, we hope you're okay on that one. We do. And yeah, transphobes can just get in the bin, man. Sorry. But like, do you know, but that's the thing, like, and I'm always kind of, I guess, shocked in a way when I find, and I shouldn't be shocked because, you know, you'd expect this to not be the case, but well, I don't know if that makes sense, but I am genuinely shocked to find that there's doctors amongst us, our colleagues who actually hold these transphobic rights. I know there was, yeah, the same. It was, um, shall I read out who it was or shall I keep it anonymous? 
Uh, I don't know. I think we sh- maybe shouldn't. I guess it's easily let's searchable. Keep it, on... Let's keep it anonymous. Yeah. It's um, easily searchable. But yeah, it was with Michael Alcock, isn't it? And it's just yeah. a, hey there, Michael, feel free to block people who have fought for women's rights and safe spaces. It's a good look. Yeah. I hate, I hate that rhetoric that they always kind of, yeah. they try and make it sound like the people, the, the trans allies are the problem, you know, but why would you want to stand for that kind of bigotry on your timeline? And he was holding firm to that throughout, you know, oh, when people yeah, tried to challenge right, him yeah. on it. Um, yeah, he's a good lad, is Michael. He's our favourite, like, patient flow coordinator come medical student. We're with you all the way there, Michael. We are. But we got your back. We got your back. Someone actually, um, someone actually pointed out that this individual who was kind of arguing with him and kind of screenshotting his tweets and, and then kind of tweeting them was actually a cardiologist. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Which... <laughs> I don't know if I am surprised at that one, but um, we need we need tech priests to kind of put in that meme. The cardiologists are at it again, essentially, because <laughs> yeah, man, Tharusha, you've got some I know. serious Sorry, listening Tharusha, to do on behalf of catchy, your I know, he really does, doesn't he? Poor guy, man. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, poor guy. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy to live in my little kind of echo chamber. I'm, I've definitely kind of... I think we discussed it on our last podcast, didn't we, about kind of blocking and, and muting and stuff. And I've got no qualms now in kind Same. of making my own little exactly. space. Exactly. It's my timeline. If I want to have an echo chamber, I'll damn well have an echo chamber. Mm. And it's not our responsibility to educate other people um, no, about no. about these issues. We don't have the time. We don't have the energy, you know, to, to do that. I'm sorry. I've got no... I know. And it's always like a one-way street, isn't it? It's never always. kind of like taken on board and stuff. But always. we mentioned Echo Chamber a few times there. So that's a free plug for, for Farbod's podcast. It is. <laughs> Check it out. It's also really good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, talking about bad juju and negative vibes, kind of made Twitter ensure that it provided once again with the talk of doctor's pay and also weirdly Christmas elf pay, didn't it? It does. So this is the elf care versus the health care debate. So the original tweet was from um, uh, Dr. Linda Dykes and she put, my 16-year-old niece in her first paid job is earning £20 an hour, £40 an hour on bank holidays to dress up as an elf at an evening seasonal tourist attraction, £2,800 for a Christmas holiday job. I'm delighted for her, but it starkly illustrates how undervalued NHS and social care staff are. Now, and that... That resonated quite a lot with people. You can tell by the amount of attention it got. But, (laughs) um, and you assume everybody would would agree with what Linda is saying, but there is a tweet from Claire Gerrada who put... um, (laughs) Oh, Claire. Oh, Claire. Claire, Claire, Claire. Is the hourly rate for the niece inclusive inclusive of incos or are these extra? Also, FY1 is bottom of a rung, which climbs year on year. I imagine an elf has little career progression built in. I mean, uh, and I think Ollie Burton like summed it up really well, didn't he? He just wrote, career progression is not an excuse to underpay workers. And I don't, no. I don't understand why... People think you can get, you can underpay workers, healthcare workers or junior doctors now because, you know, in, in 10, 15 years time after you've, you know, done all your exams and you're on calls and studied more, you know, you'll, you'll get fair pay in like 10, 15 years time. So, yeah, just, just keep going because 
Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that trope, isn't it? It'll get better. I'm sorry, but that's just like, that's just not good enough. Like we should be working to make things better now. And we'll mention that a bit later on in the podcast as well. But um, yeah, I kind of, I, I definitely agreed with, with, with Linda Dykes' kind of sentiment in the way that it kind of shows how social and, and NHS staff are, um, so sorry, social care and NHS staff are undervalued. But it kind of went, it went a bit sour, didn't it? Like we always end up with those comparisons and it, it just kind of stinks of privilege. Like people kind of think it's the amount of wages that you can earn is like a zero sum game. You don't have to compete. Exactly. To like, just Why do we have to take away from wage, someone? Yeah. Exactly, 100%. And I quite like um, I quite like Pathos's um, tweet. It just kind of summed up exactly kind of what I wanted to say, but she she did it a lot better. Um, and she just said, "Doctors in the UK are underpaid." Full stop. Period. The end. No comparison. No tugging on heartstrings or no obfuscation of salary is needed. Doctors in the UK are underpaid, and appropriate remuneration can be championed without the smokescreen. And that's essentially it, isn't it? But why are we so afraid to acknowledge that? Because people say, well, you know, we know. we can we can clap for them or pay them with with love, you know. But hang on, they want money for healing people. I know we're How still made selfish. to feel like these evil, <laughs> yeah, evil individuals. It's yeah, it boggles the mind. But I kind of, I also kind of want to know like how I can get a job like that. <laughs> If that's, elf. if that's okay, I'd obviously be like a crap elf. I'm five foot ten, so I'd be like an elf with a steroid or growth hormone problem. <laughs> but I don't know, and I think that it's like there is career progression as an elf. There's obviously like a head elf, junior you don't elf. Start off as a head elf. There'll be like an elf in waiting, which will be like Santa's right hand man. Exactly. The- so I just think before you cast these, you know, aspersions, you need to do your research on health. Uh, health, health, mate. Elf, elf hierarchy. Elf hierarchy. Yeah, oh. totally. But um, yeah, that was, it was an odd one. Like, yeah, the sentiment, you were like, yeah, definitely. And then it just all kind of took a bit of a, a tumble, didn't it? Yeah. But seriously, why don't we pay people now for the job that they're doing now at this yeah, man, current exactly. point in time? It doesn't make any sense to me. And we are so crap at like negotiating our pay as, as a whole in terms of like junior doctors with a contract and everything we are just appalling but we'll sit here and complain about it because you know there's no harm in doing that but on the whole we're just kind of we're still stuck in this position I know <laughs> like, we are hasn't changed for years no hasn't changed um but well, it was nice to see oh go on no what sorry say, no Nina? I was gonna say because I think we still need to approach that whole it's your job slash it's your vocation and people do believe that if you've gone into medicine you've done it for altruistic reasons and so therefore you should accept a lower level of pay because that's oh, not God. why you got into the job yeah. but it's the truth that's what people yeah man they, yeah it's that whole yeah really true that that vocation word is really triggering I think it's like no this is definitely definitely my job I know like just a job yeah um but it was nice to see Nick Schindler's take on things so Nick as always I feel like the voice of reason and he's a very sensible member of, of med twitter um and he wrote quite a long thread about essentially it was in relation and stemming from Dr Gerardo's thoughts on on progression um 
in kind of training and stuff and it's 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 a long thread it's 20 tweets long each tweet like you know you should go and read that um i think it was posted yesterday on the on the it's 29th. a really good thread really good thread actually. um but yeah definitely go through that and it resonated with a lot of people but did you have any particular parts or, or thoughts on that that you liked yeah for me there was one bit that really stood out and when he was talking about the pay progression for doctors in training um he said you know it's a system that's built around full-time working which is unachievable for many and it discriminates against those who can't work full time. So it's true, it really doesn't take into consideration about um, anything outside of work, does it? So Mm. family responsibilities, your own health, if you've got a chronic condition. And I think it almost plays into the infantilizing of, of junior doctors and how it's a very much directed approach. You are told what you should be doing and, and that's it really. You don't really have any autonomy. Yeah, I quite liked how he recognised and kind of spoke out about that because I guess that can feel uncomfortable when you know like you hear lots of people say the system doesn't work for them, but it works for you. Like it's quite, it can be quite uncomfortable to say, actually this system works really well for me and I'm fine with it. And he said, you know, I took 9.5 years from qualifying to CCT, I think it was. Um, and it, that was doable for him, but for he many, said, many people, that, that's it's, it's not. That's as quick as you can do it, yeah. That's... Yeah, so that's quite nice that he actually kind of recognised that, and it kind of validates, doesn't it, that experience that others have, that it's not, you know, it's not always possible. And as someone who's trying to do GP training less than full-time after only ever having trained full-time previously, it's an absolute minefield, and the process itself is just... It's not straightforward at all. So it's all those aspects that are just really not designed for anyone who might need to train in like a different way than what this is showing. But yeah, I quite like the point as well uh, that he made about how training should happen at like a local level and it shouldn't just be all down to HEE, Health Education England. Um, Because it takes the onus off the hospitals, doesn't it? Like they, you know, they've got no kind of responsibility to to train us in a way it's all kind of on the next level up um and then that can just leave us like to just being service provision donkeys essentially and you know service provision doesn't automatically mean training because sometimes it's just automatic rote work that you're doing just to keep something ticking over or a war ticking over or a service ticking over so I quite like that actually and I thought yeah it'd be good to actually apply to to certain kinds of areas rather than being like you know I want to do this specialty but I could end up anywhere in the UK yeah. like literally that's it's not an exaggeration is it that's that's what it's happens true. and it kind of leads on to um should we talk about Therusha's reddit tweet oh yeah it wasn't from Therusha highlighted it to us but it wasn't posted by Therusha I think it's important to say um but yeah Reddit seems to be becoming like more of a source for kind of things as well now and I I guess a lot of people post on there anonymously do they so I guess that might be quite a a good thing to yeah it might feel like a safer space I guess so it's basically they were trying to cover some shifts over over the Christmas period and who who was it that sent the email was it the trust yeah it was the trust it was the trust that sent an email to junior doctors saying that um I think they had posted an original email to cover some shifts and they hadn't had any responses And then they put, dear all, I have not had any responses to my email below. It is crucial that we are prepared for all eventualities, which includes your colleagues, which are currently working these days, having to isolate due to illness or a positive contact with COVID. 
And then it's go, they go on to say, if we do not have any volunteers, then please be prepared to be randomly called and asked to come to work by the consultant <laughs> of the day, which will be, I'm sure you will agree, a fairly labour intensive exercise. I mean, who talks to people like that? These are what were you saying about infantilizing? That's Honestly, it, essentially, isn't it? Is. it is. I mean, even my mum doesn't talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It's just crazy. I feel like these emails are like, they're so predictable now. Like, it's predict it's as predictable as that debate that always happens about using, like, local anaesthetic and ABGs. Every so often, like, trusts will throw these emails out. We'll end up finding them on Reddit or or Twitter. And it's like, no one ever learns from them because we, we slate them and we bitch about them and we tear them apart part every single time but people still speak to us like this like <laughs> it's atrocious it is absolutely awful and also it's not as if this this wasn't a um, like an unpredictable covid's been here for two years <laughs> like this is not like an unfounded situation exactly it's just oh I mean, yeah. if I got an email like that, I mean, how awful would you feel if you got an email like that? How undervalued would you feel as a person if you get treated that way? No way. I know. It's And the thing is, like, it's not often easy to do anything about um, because when you are kind of in training and you are in working in small teams and stuff, if you were to write like a really angry response to that which I think is quite like it's quite easy to do if that hits a nerve and you you know ready to go off this 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 email was sent on on Christmas Eve I think so you know you could be winding down ready for Christmas and then this email just gets sprung on you you can easily like fire off you know an angry response and it's hard because you worry how that would like impact on you it, and it can it impact on your like, training yeah, you know that's your, your training, supervisor exactly. and yeah you feel that pressure and you're yeah. not you're not supported are you who do you go to for support so yeah, I think this individual ended up emailing back. We we haven't got the link to that, um, but it is all on on the the Junior Doctors UK subreddit. Um, but I think we we don't know what the outcome was. But they emailed the consultant, I think, as well as the other consultants in the department, um, as as well as kind of, which I love is when people like kind of quote the appropriate BMD BMA like <laughs> contract kind of segments. So you're like, yes, yes, you know, I'm not clever enough to kind of find those myself. <laughs> Neither um, am I. But yeah, God, imagine like just being chilling at home, thinking you had some like days off and then you get called in to say, oh, you're you're on the backup rotor, like you're covering you're covering the long day now. And you just been like sinking into your Baileys and your cheese like, no. But you're just expected no, to cover no, it no. last minute. It's just that expectation on you. But um, but yeah, I think what Ben Lovell went on, to, went on to say, and it kind of, this is the whole thing that's been... A big thing lately, isn't it? It's it's this kind of staffing crisis. We've always had a staffing crisis, but with the amount of kind of people and healthcare workers and social care staff that have been testing positive for, for COVID lately, it's just meant that like staffing has been decimated more so than usual. Um, and Ben Lovell said the last two weeks were an experiment in how low you can take NHS staffing without terrible things happening. Like a game of staff Jenga, things have not been a disaster because everyone is working their butts off, missing breaks, doing the work of three people. Amazing but unsustainable. He's so right, isn't he? Do you remember somebody had written ages ago? I think it was like a member of public. I can't I remember who the tweet was or who the response was, so I'm not doing very well here. But somebody had written, if you're doing the work of three doctors in a shift do you get paid for the work of three doctors in a shift? And we all just laughed at that, at how ridiculous that sentiment yeah, was. I know. But I actually, know. why wouldn't why wouldn't we get paid for the role of, you know, if you're doing the work of three doctors, why wouldn't you yeah. get paid that? Because you're taking on that risk, aren't you? 
Yeah, it's just, and it's again, it's kind of the higher ups, whoever they may be, or the government or whatever, just absolutely taking advantage of people's goodwill. And, yeah. And like Ben put it beautifully, like nothing bad has happened because we haven't let it happen. But it, just because that's, you know, just because we've done that, that doesn't mean we should be doing it again. Like it's exactly, it's not sustainable. Cause I don't know, I just have this feeling that something is like teetering at the moment. And I think yes. Tom Dolphin put it, Tom Dolphin, he's a, um, Anisatist, he actually wrote a really good tweet, a response to that. He said, the problem the NHS has always had, which is also its strength in a way, is that it never quite breaks. It, it bows, it sags alarmingly, it makes deep thrumming metal stress noises like the Titanic about to snap, but it never quite breaks with a rupture that gets it what it needs. And that's absolutely. it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. absolutely. We all cave to our guilt. It's guilt driven, mm-hmm. <laughs> guilt driven working. Yeah. You can't leave your colleagues alone and Yeah. But again, like winter pressures is not a new concept. Like winter happens every every year. You know, we know shit hits the fan every winter. We open up these extra winter pressure wards. You know, again, it's not a new concept, but like every year and even more so now here we are kind of talking about like these staffing crises. It just seems a bit like shouting into the void, doesn't it? it like does. nothing ever gets nothing done. Nothing seems to change. It's just getting worse and worse. Definitely. Um, and on that note, I think it'd be good for us to say like, thank you to everyone who's had to work and step up and cover and just do just generally holding up our healthcare system over Christmas. It really is like very, very much appreciated. We're in a bit of a moment of doom and gloom now, aren't we? Oh, like, we I just know. Keep... I just thought we need to. But like... I think. <laughs> I, I know, know, but I think we... there are. But there are a few more. Let's let's get these kind of tweets kind of out there because the... they are yep. a bit. They are. They're very important to acknowledge, but um, they're probably like on the less light-hearted side of things. But yeah, Abby Carey, um, again, another previous guest on Thrusha and Imran's podcast didn't sound like she was having such a great she time. Like she as was the, having an awful shift, dredge. wasn't she? Mm. Absolutely awful shift. So um, she tweeted, I'm absolutely fine being bleeped every 30 seconds. Of course, there's a hint of sarcasm there. (laughs) As I try to clock a patient or have a drink and even more fine when people are disappointed, I can't come to sort their problem now because it's not like I have more roles than anyone right now. You just know, you just know that feeling, don't you? Like it's, oh, it just makes your heart sink. Yeah. feels like you can't actually get anything productive done because all you're doing is answering Mm. calls the entire shift. Um, yeah it's soul destroying it is soul destroying you you feel like you can never please anyone everyone's like pissed off at you um you just feel like you can't win like you know you you can never get on top of a single job because more just more just get thrown at you it's such a such a horrible feeling it's just just demoralizing because you're constantly picking up things the phone saying you know sorry I can't do this right now or sorry I'm late doing this sorry and and nobody mm-hmm. really understands like I, I think I mean I can only talk I haven't been a junior doctor in quite some time now but I mean from a GP perspective I get it a little bit when I'm the closest thing is when I'm if I'm on call because then you have all the calls coming in you get the paramedics calling in through reception and nurses have a sick patient or the junior needs you know a bit of help or someone's showing you an ECG but even then people can see like you're in like a fairly closed small environment people can see you're one person whereas when you're a junior doctor in a massive hospital people can't see that huge volume of work that you're doing it is simply that one job that med reg is just not responding they're they're late doing it they're not taking my call they they can't see everything else that that 
med registering it's just and that must be, it must be one of the hardest jobs like the medical registrar and oh they're the dumping um, ground for everything yeah. but like it, it it's like it's such a relatable position for lots of junior doctor roles isn't it and it did you just mentioned about like the gp role it kind of mentioned me it so it kind of reminded me about um my time in neurosurgery as well kind of again doing the on-call registrar shifts um and they were kind of yeah, 12, 13 hour shifts. And you'd end up with like over 70 referrals during that time. And you'd be on the phone taking a referral and each referral has to have scans reviewed, you know, the history taken, advice given. Um, and, that you know, you'd ring up Switchboard to get the next call and Switchboard would be like, oh, just to let you know, there's like seven more in line waiting. And then these people would kick off at you because they'd been on the phone for 45 minutes. Um, but they literally like, and it's like, you, un- you understand it, but it's... and. I think of a lot of it as well, and I'd, I'd probably be speaking out of turn here, but it's it's absolutely the truth. A lot of it is people wanting to pass on the responsibility as well, yes. isn't it? It's not yes. these are not all genuine jobs or things that needed to be acted on there and then. But being the on call registrar, like the med reg, like you say, it's the it's the dumping ground, and it's that phrase, isn't it? Just to make you aware. Yep. God, if I could ban that phrase, if I could. Oh, but that's yeah, what it's... it is. So the just to make you aware phase is just to make you aware I'm now giving you this responsibility so if the mm. shit hits the fan I have told you at this time and so, so yeah it's your problem that's yeah. what that the just to make you aware phrase means isn't it in essence definitely um and then you, you you end up like going to see these patients or transferring these patients or whatever and I hate it when you see in the notes and it says attempted to bleep medical reg or whatever reg 13 times no response and like they underline 13 about like four times and it's just like god do you think I'm just sitting there exactly chilling like yeah I would I would love that but that's just not not the job um and yeah Twitter came up with kind of lot Twitter came up with more things that we absolutely do not need in training and that was um and that was something actually from Johnny wasn't it Johnny Guckian yeah he wrote um a tip for consultants clinical supervisors etc please think about uh timing when you send a can we talk you did x wrong email to trainees I've had one at 9 p.m whilst out celebrating masters and one at on Christmas Eve these chats are important but timing matters and he had to delete that tweet because mm. he had so many people disagreeing with, with. I know, like, what's to disagree about? I, it's just common sense, isn't it? Exactly. Um, yeah, I spoke to Johnny today. I wanted to make sure that he was okay with us including that, and he said, you know, go ahead. It's an it's an important topic. But yeah, I think the reason why he had to delete it was again people like, kind of disagreeing with him which is so stupid and kind of saying you know all the owner should be put on the trainee like no your people these seniors are giving supervision it should be done in a proper way it's not up to us to kind of time it right we don't know when we're going to get these complaints or exactly or whatever but it obviously it resonated with a lot of people I think because a couple of hundred people ended up liking that first tweet before it got uh deleted and Johnny went on to kind of share some of his experiences as well and said that he got his first ever patient complaint um which was a traumatizing one from a secretary whilst he was on nights he'd woken up and got it just after the email saying that he'd failed his um mrcp part one and it just said you have a complaint it's in your pigeonhole regards and when and he had that when he kind of wasn't due to be in work for like another eight hours um and it reminded me of how i actually quit neurosurgery um 
And that was because someone someone came and responded to that tweet and said, you know, handover. I think it was Michael who said handover is actually similarly not a great time to, to, you know, to kind of give this feedback. And that's exactly what happened with me in my very last kind of I didn't know shift. that. Yeah, it probably sounds all dramatic now. No, but it, like, doesn't, it doesn't sound but, dramatic. Um, but yeah, I think it was essentially the consultant on call tore me to shreds about something which was very kind of trivial but decided to do that in front of like a room of kind of 30 people which is our daily handover meeting and um all the other consultants and registrars and kind of some of the nurse specialists were there and he decided that that would be a good place to to feedback something that he wasn't happy with um and I'd been kind of it wasn't thinking about quitting neurosurgery wasn't a new thing to me there but that was kind of like the icing on the cake um and it was being the most horrendous kind of night shift of my life. It was just, and you know, it just happened to be one of those ones where you're constantly like bouncing for 12 hours. And then I had to have that in front of everyone at the end. How did like he think humiliation. that was appropriate to do it in front of all those Cause, people? Cause this is what people do, man. Like, I don't Bloody know what hell. happens when you become a consultant sometimes, but you know, obviously not everyone, but people change like, and it's when people say like, Oh, we used to be such a nice registrar. And then, you know what happened when he or she became a consultant and yeah essentially I just walked out after that shift and just thought this is this is the last time I'm ever going to walk out of this hospital as a as like an employee I just never never went back um I wish I kind of like made more of a scene I wish I'd like had my had my say and stuff but yeah that that was it and that was all because of feedback was given at the wrong time in the wrong place like that just wasn't for makes, me anymore. It makes such a difference. I mean, I can. I've. I remember one complaint that I've had um, as a GP, and. Um just to put how to do it positively I remember the practice manager had come down to me after my morning clinic um so I'd had a gap and then she said look we've had a complaint come through um she goes it's it's not it's not a big deal but we need to talk about it when's a good time and let's schedule a time to do it uh and I really appreciated the fact that actually her picking the right time to talk Mm. about it made such a difference and I was supported and it, it was done in private like it should be done yeah, not yeah. publicly um and we had a meeting about it and it, it was done yeah I, I, it was done much better than this your your thing sounds absolutely appalling oh I know do they not realize how crushing it is to get a complaint it is absolutely crushing for you as an individual yeah. I think like yeah because I guess everyone's experienced that and you know, your seniors who are now giving this feedback must have experienced that themselves. But I don't know, is it like that culture of like, well, I had to go through this. So you do like that really archaic dinosaur kind of, and it's got to be the power trip for some people as well, man. I hate being so cynical and thinking that, but it's got to be something to do with. I remember when I got my complaint, I'd spoken to the senior partner at my surgery, said, look, I've had this complaint. I just want to run it through uh, past you. And he looked at it, he goes, oh, is that it? He was just so blasé about it. He goes, you've had a complaint. He goes, so what? We all do. It's yeah. not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I just completely, so I think, I don't know if you just become quite numb to it or it just becomes part mm, of the maybe. job. So for the senior, it's like, oh, we've had this complaint. I've got to deal with it. Right. Send an email to the trainee, like tick, job done. Mm. But for the person on the receiving end. Oh, it's completely different, it's different isn't it? different, Yeah. And Shivani made a good point. I think it was one of the replies to to Johnny's original tweet. And it just said that, you know, receiving feedback at the right time is helpful and can be like an empowering educational tool as well, which is absolutely spot on. And, you know, being delivered at the wrong time when the wrong way can be destructive, like quitting your training number. So, um, 
So, yeah. But um, moving on from that, Nina, you know, if someone was to say to you, what is it that you would love to receive from your trust to thank you for your work during the pandemic? What would what would you say? What would you love to receive? Hands down, (laughs) without question, I want a hero's honour. Too right, too right. An honorary St. George's Cross that I can oh pin God. to my scrubs and wear with pride. That, that you know, that be... can be arranged now, it seems. <laughs> that can be arranged. Please don't. Please don't. So, yeah, so this is this is in relation to this thing where um, I hope we don't sound really ungrateful and, again, really cynical, but it does feel incredibly patronising. Um, but it's, it's, I think Dean posted this about yeah. a week ago and he received a badge, but it's this thing where trusts are issuing badges or medals. And I say medals in like speech marks, um, <laughs> to their staff as a, as a thank you for the pandemic, essentially. God, talk about more bad takes. It's just going downhill fast. I know, isn't it? it really is. I thought we said we were going to keep this a lighthearted yeah, episode. Jolly. <laughs> jolly holiday episode. But yeah, I proper feel the rage when, I, when I've seen these tweets like recently. I think the fact that it's in contrast to some people who've had like um, COVID bonuses and I say bonus, it's been like not a hundred quid for a year. Yeah. But it just seems like, I don't know, it's the concept of a badge. Like the fact that they've made, they've, you know, they've designed it, they've paid for that. They've paid for like mass production. They've then had to pay to like give it to all the staff. It's not cheap. Like what about you know, just a free coster or something would would see me right. Like, but I don't even think it's just. Uh, I think it's the sentiment behind it, isn't it? it it's done mm. to that, and I. It's done to play into that whole hero rhetoric. Yeah, which, really dangerous. If we think about what that hero rhetoric is, it's essentially it's just a way to deflect away from the legal and moral obligations that the government Mm. have to uphold safe standards at work because no one gives a fig about a made-up honor that like this crosses all we want is fair pay and safe working conditions but if you're a hero you don't you don't need that and it it fits in with that like what you were saying earlier about it being a vocation and stuff again doesn't it and you know let's not pay people in anything decent but let's give them a free badge because that's amazing. <laughs> it is. I, yeah, and like, yeah, and I think um, someone else commented. I think it was um, Ellie, um, Ellie Rogers, sorry, and she said that she'd been, or either herself or someone she knew, had been given like a commemorative coin. And again, that feels the same way. And it was a couple of us kind of lamenting that the only coin that we would be happy to receive is like a chocolate coin, because <laughs> it's like, what are you meant to do like, with seriously, these? Seriously, like, like anything else besides a bit of metal what you yeah meant? it's just bizarre bizarre what would you want um, instead then go on if you had to have I your one know, thing like, what would you get I think just not having anything maybe you know just like like a thank you or whatever is is kind of fine it feels weird being like awarded stuff but I think the best thing personally would be and I think some trusts have done it maybe it's like an extra day of annual leave I know some trusts have done it so that yes. you can get your birthday off um, but I just think having that one day of like extra annual leave can make like all the difference. such a difference. And it, and it is, it's something that's easily doable. Like you don't have to design that. You don't have to produce that. You just give it to people. Yeah, but you know it would happen on your morning off your annual leave. You'd get an oh, email. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> we, cannot, we cannot cover your we own shift. We cannot cover this or please yeah. organise a locum to cover this oh, day off God, we have given yeah. you. Be more, more stress or hassle than it's worth. But what about <laughs> exactly. yourself, Nina? What, what, would, what would you love to receive? Apart from your badge, obviously. Apart from my badge. 
Okay. This is gonna. This is gonna. Come that was little... bad. That was bad. She said that. <laughs> it sounded like something else through my headphones. <laughs> I'm not even gonna ask what came through your headphones. Right, Sorry. What think. would you like to receive? I don't know. I don't know. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um. All right. This is gonna sound weird, but all right. Hear me out. How about like a little <laughs> hamster? Like a little. Like a little. Sorry, I was going to say, I was going to swear then. I, was, I, I can't even entertain that. I, where's that even go? Why would you give someone an animal? I don't understand. Like, just, like, I don't know, like a little like stress relief, like a little hamster. Like if every ward had like a little <laughs> How ward. hard are you squeezing your hamsters? <laughs> like oh my hamster. God, your, your poor pets. <laughs> I don't have any pets. Maybe that's why I'm craving there's a, a good, pet. There's, a good re- there's clearly a good reason for that. <laughs> oh, look, it's my stress guinea pig. <laughs> Like a stress hamster. It's like when you're stressed, like you're every oh, morning have a little stress like a, hamster. Like a therapy, like a therapy animal. Yes. Like a therapy animal. A therapy I thought you meant animal. like a stress ball. I was like, no, you're not. You don't squeeze them. Not that hard. But okay, a, th- a stress hamster. Cool. That sounds awesome. Um, but that's, yeah, I'll, I'll pass. I'll stick with a badge on that one if that's okay. <laughs> Hmm, interesting. I can't believe you poo-pooed my hamster idea. I thought There's another little another little glimpse into the mind of Nina Jar there that <laughs> we often don't get don't you know, I'll we don't keep get exposed my mouth to these. Shut. But this is the this is the real Nina coming through here. <laughs> Oi. Be careful what you wish for. I did tell you that you said be yourself. Be more yourself. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I love it. I love it. Um, but no matter how many coins or badges or medals or fake medals or whatever we get given, or hamsters even, nothing, nothing pales in comparison to the gifts our friends and colleagues across the pond have, have just been dished out. Um, yeah, again, more doom and gloom. We do apologise, but this is um, this is the this is the feel of the Christmas perineum. That period between Christmas and New Year is full of. It's not called the Christmas perineum. Did you just say the Christmas perineum? Yeah, what do you call it? You know what a perineum is. Yeah, it's a bit between the mm and the mm. Yeah. <laughs> so this is. It's not the, the Christmas bit between perine- Christmas and New Year. It's the Christmas perineum. Oh my yeah. god! I swear, it's, it's definitely really a thing. Not. I, I'm telling you, as your friend, don't go around <laughs> saying it's called the Christmas perineum. It's just, it's not a if thing. You, if you come up with an alternative suggestion, I would be more than happy. But for now, until you come up with that, it can be the Christmas perineum. It's not the Christmas perineum. Just call it like the in-between bit. I don't know. Just don't call it in between You've got no right to judge me on my use of words Why? when you want a therapy hamster as a gift from your trust. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, so in this, in this joyful or not so joyful period between Christmas and New Year where we don't know what day it is, we don't know what clothes to put on, um, the, the CDC, so the American Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, just suddenly decided to turn around and tell healthcare workers that, you know, even if you do test positive, you don't need to isolate now. You just come into work and carry on your shift. It's I just, true. Went dead, just went dead scouts then for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so because was, everybody but... in the CDC is scouts. They are scouts, yeah. But, <laughs> but no, but this, like, yeah. This was a treat from um, Kimmy, is it Shernaby? I don't know if I've said that right. Apologies if I haven't. She goes, to put things into context, if I get COVID, my law job would expect me to isolate for 10 days and would pay me sick leave. My hospital would expect me back in zero to five days and I would have no pay for missed shifts. Is it clear why healthcare workers are burned out? It's bad, and she's isn't it? an 
A&E doctor in it's America. It's really bad. It's just awful. But does it like, does it, does that not strike the CDC, like, which even have disease control and prevention in their actual name? Does it not strike them as like dangerous to send positive healthcare workers into into work to care for patients but, like, yeah, we're heroes damn it that's what uh, we do this is we what are, it we're is angels. we're we angels and angels and it's um, basically it's permitting that level of sacrifice you just mm. silently without question this is what you do because it's not your job it's your vocation absolutely do you think anything like that would happen here like i've heard yes. some people say they're going to have like covid positive staff potentially could in, in one of the contingency plans they'd have covid positive staff looking after covid positive patients per se you know granted that they're well enough but i just get i guess nothing surprises us anymore does it no nothing surprised and, us at all and it, it just it got worse like i don't know how it could have got worse but it did get worse um when the american heart association i think updated their bls their basic life support guidelines and now suggested that vaccinated healthcare workers shouldn't should not delay chest compressions in resuscitation attempts to don proper ppe or to place a face covering on the patient <laughs> it's like you're told your whole life like put your mask on before helping others unless you're a medic and then thou shalt sacrifice thyself mm. for the greater good but absolutely but even before like medical school like I knew the mnemonic Dr ABC like it was like I th- I'm sure I yeah. learned that as a in, oh, a, yes. in brownies with those horrible recessy and dolls that had like 30 kids already snog in the face off them but it was always like Dr ABC danger response exactly airway breathing circulation so like does that danger bit not count anymore like you're just meant to go in completely well not naked but you know in naked in a PPE sense yeah just not- yeah it's just I don't know like that's atrocious. I was quite shocked at that it is yeah oh yeah it was pretty shocking that wasn't it yeah the fact that and it's I guess now become guidance like that's yeah something that they and recommended. It's, it's there like it's it's yeah it's on it's on the interwebs like you can you can read it and it, it's that um it's that thing isn't it covid deniers and covid skeptics like to use that argument of well you signed up for this and it's like no we never like i didn't i don't remember that part of like the hippocratic oath in no. my graduation like thou thou shall fight a pandemic with no ppe but um but yeah no i think um Again, even though out of the doom and gloom, like med Twitter can be relied upon to to lighten. Well, I guess medics in general, we've got such a dark sense of humour. Um, but the, yeah, there were some pretty cool um, takes about the whole CDC thing, wasn't there? What was your, my favourite one was the CDC, the CDC says you can now wipe back to front. <laughs> yeah. That one yeah. really cracked me up. I don't know why I found that one so funny. It's because it's one of those, and and so one of those like forbidden areas, like again, per- perineum comes into it. But <laughs> Oh my God, stop with your perineum. <laughs> I don't know why I'm suddenly obsessed with that word. It speaks volumes, but um, but yeah, no, I think I had I had two favourites. One of them um, was saying that to combat supply chain issues, the CDC says it's okay to reuse needles from discarded shafts containers, but only if you lick them really clean. <laughs> and the other one, I don't again. This is one of those ones that tickles me for like no reason. But it said it was from Ryan Marino, and it said the CDC now says it's okay to eat eat a diaper, so a nappy that you found on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, delicious uh, if anyone's eating right now we do apologize but yeah I think god it's just I don't know you think things can't get any worse and and like here we go but um 
But yeah, I think trying to keep it kind of lighthearted. We saw a tweet, didn't we? Um, I think it was from a gentleman called Mr. Shazad Raja, who's a a cardiac surgeon, about um, a gift that one of his kind of patients had bought for him. Oh, yes, I saw that. So let's have a look. Yeah, Shazad Raja, he wrote, um, "'Tis the season to be grateful, a bin full of chocolates from a grateful patient. And this was like a massive, This was an outdoor bin, wasn't it? It wasn't like a little wheat like a little pedal bin or or something um, i love that gift it I was so the good sweetest thing ever i actually zoomed in as well because i wanted to identify those chocolates and they were quality streets quality so it's not like, streets it's not a bad choice and that must have been like it took incredible amount of effort to make like a huge metal bin stacked full of sweets it was just or epic. do you think the bottom is all filled with like carry such, such a kick in the teeth if it is isn't it <laughs> God, imagine. Gone. what's the best gift you've ever had from a patient? I don't know if I've had any best gifts. I had uh, something that Natalie and, and Bethan were talking about on the podcast reminded me um, of this particular gift. I wouldn't say it's the best gift, but um, I was once gifted by a patient some like freshly knitted baby clothes because <laughs> they thought oh! I was pregnant. Oh, no. God. <laughs> And I was just joking. Like, oh my god! Yeah, no, that that not that situation. But I've been asked that like quite a few times, and I've always liked to pretend they worked in neurosurgery. They were maybe not GCS fifteen, but they definitely were. Like, oh, when when are you due, love? But they'd gone so, to like, that next step of actually knitting. Yeah, of like clothes. knitted. I think they were someone who I'd kind of operated on, and then saw them in clinic, and they'd bought, they'd bought <gasps> these baby clothes. Oh my so, goodness! Yeah, what did yeah. you? What did you? Oh God! Say? I just couldn't. I was just. I was just shocked, and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to rotate off this team before long. Like I'm not. They're not going to probably see me again. So I was just kind of was like, oh God, that's so that's so lovely. But thank you. Oh. And then I probably God. just stuck my belly out even more to make it look like <laughs> I've been like more further along the pregnancy line than I was. Oh my goodness, that's awful. That's Have you so had anything awful. better than that? Um, it's not hard. Oh God, I actually yeah, someone knitted me baby clothes, but I was actually about with to, child. <laughs> with <laughs> child. Um, right, let me think. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic in the first wave, somebody gave me a toilet roll. And, and do you know what? It was oh, actually really thoughtful because she That only is bought, thoughtful, yeah. She actually only gave me, like, she only bought a four pack because there's only a four pack left. And she'd saved one for me and she'd held on to it for a month. And then oh. she just gave it to me. And I thought that was really sweet, actually. I was actually really that touched. Really I think sweet. I cried. <laughs> It's oh, really, gosh. really sad. Oh, no. We need to have a talk, Nina. We need to have a talk. I've had a weirder one. Oh, I've just remembered. I've had a really weird one. I don't what think I it? can say it. It's really Oh, weird. God, you can't pick it up and then be like, oh, no, not going to mention it. Oh, my God. I've had it talk, talk Look, about if, inappropriate. If it's, true, if it's truly <laughs> atrocious, we'll get the guys to cut it out. Okay, fine. Um, talking about inappropriate pregnancy gifts. Oh, God. Right? Oh I was God. a GP reg. Oh, gosh, I can't believe I forgot about this. I was a GP reg and I was about to go off on maternity leave and there was this elderly lady who I'd been seeing for about six months quite regularly. So we'd built up, I would say, a fairly close relationship and then on my last home visit day, she was like, I've got you a gift. I was like, oh, that's really nice. Thanks. And it was a bottle <laughs> It was a bottle of vaginal oil. <laughs> oh! And she what? put a little red ribbon around it. So basically, 
maybe oh. she she then she was like sat me down and gave me instructions on how to use this oil she was like I'll put you know put this um around your hoo-ha you know massage it on like three times a day or... around your perineum <laughs> yes around your Christmas perineum <laughs> yeah so that was I was like, oh, thanks. And I got in the car. Oh. I called my mum. I was like, oh, my God, mum, I've just got this gift. Like, And she told <laughs> everyone. She put it on the family WhatsApp group. I'm like, mum, like, it's so inappropriate. Like, my dad's there. Uncles are there. Yeah, it was. That's the yeah, weirdest gift. I don't know gift. what to say. That is, yeah, God, that's bizarre. That is bizarre. But I'm kind go. of like, I'm kind of like, oh, but also, ee. <laughs> I just don't know how to respond. I didn't know that what is really, to say. That's really sweet though. I think any any gift is just really sweet, isn't it? That people kind of go out their way to think like, oh, this is what this person would like. I'd like to thank <laughs> them in this in this way. It is really sweet. Um, but kind of keeping it more, um, keeping it more lighthearted. There was a tweet from, I think it was um, the depressed medic who's now um, the depressed doctor. Um, and it was about what what he had learned um, during his kind of FY1 so far. Um, so the FY, so it's now December, the FY1 started in August. So they're kind of like four months in. Um, and he said, fellow F1s, what can you do now which you couldn't do a few months ago? I've realised that I can now cannulate using ultrasound on my own and have been able to manage sepsis, atrial fibrillation and seizures amongst other things. It's amazing how much we learn so quickly but don't even realise. And I thought that was just like a nice, wholesome tweet. I which is love that tweet. Much needed. Yeah, I love much needed. That tweet. Because we're not we're not we're not good at bigging ourselves up, are we? Mm, I think it, we're, no. by, like, we're quite self-deprecating by default. Mm. And I yeah. think you, every day, like, there's so much you don't know. Like, even now, like, there's every day there's something that I just oh, have God, no yeah. clue about. Um, and so you tend to focus on that and you actually forget to stop mm. and actually acknowledge how much you do know. And yeah. F1 is such a steep learning curve and you can feel so out of your depth. Definitely. So much of the time. So I love that tweet. I love that and tweet. I, and it was, I think, um, Dr. Sarah Barton, um, who one of the replies and she advised this. And I think it was such a nice, nice comment. And it said, um, take a ro- take a regular stock take like this throughout your career as it helps you see the things that you would otherwise take for granted. And that's exactly it, isn't it? Like, I can't cannulate with ultrasound. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's such a big thing that you sit and acknowledge that you can do that. And there's many other people that, yeah. you know, can't do that. It's a good skill. It's a really important skill to have. Um, and all those little things like managing seizures or managing AF and stuff. Yeah, you take them for granted because you might see them all the time when it's expected of you. But it's like you, you didn't start knowing all those things. No. So, yeah, it should absolutely, it should absolutely be proud celebrated. Of yourself. Yeah, 100%. Um, and yeah, we just know that every little bit of positivity we can get is like vital in this job, isn't it? But um, but then, yeah, the depressed doctor then went on to to say, um, which was kind of a bit of a contrast to, to that tweet, which again is very kind of um, reflective of, of normal life, isn't it? And real life. Yeah, shall I read it out? It says, yeah, um, yeah. It, it seems that a lot of the problems faced by FY1s are shrugged off as it'll get better as you progress. Low pay, let it go, at least you'll progress. Bullying from others, ignore it gets better when you're more senior. Why can't we instead work on fixing FY1 a little? 
and that's that kind of uh, reflects kind of a lot of what we said already what you said this already, episode, doesn't yeah. it? Like, it's that thing of people just being like, "Yeah, it'll get better. Put up with it because you'll progress." But that's not a good enough reason to have these like shocking working conditions and and stuff now, is it? No, no. I mean, if you think about how hard like junior doctors work, mm. um, if we go onto that tweet by um, Clarissa, she said, um, "Well, yeah. lads." After being the only junior doctor on-call ward cover for five medical wards, a CCU and COVID ward, I managed to pee a solid 150 mils. Good job, kidneys. So I'm the absolute weirdo that's going to step in here and just tell you that I actually calculated how much that was an hour. (laughs) Did you actually? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know, man. I wanted to know. But yeah, that was 11.5 mils an hour, which is surely an AKI, isn't it? Wasn't there that BMJ Christmas article like years ago? Maybe I'm making this up. And they had done a study comparing urine output of patients on ICU compared to the doctors that were looking after them. Oh, that's And scary. actually the patients had like mm. a higher urine output than the doctors did. It's, so, it's that thing, isn't it, where you joke like at the end of your 12-hour shift that you're like musing or newsing and it's actually true. It's <laughs> like, actually true. You yeah. get called by, you get called when you're on call to say this patient's news has gone up by like three points and you're just like, hang on, like I'm a five, <laughs> definitely like a five right now. But there have been days if my uncle's been busy, I'll purposefully not drink. Oh gosh, yeah. So, so don't I don't to, need don't yeah. to waste time just going to the toilet, even though the toilet is Absolutely. like directly opposite my door. Yeah. Just yeah, just to save time. But this is stu- it's ridiculous that our brain it, why do we even I have know to do that, that it works like that. I know. But no, I do think like kind of what um what the depressed doctor there was is absolutely spot on and it's it's fright it's frustrating, isn't it? Because a lot of the things that can be done are those like incredibly like little they might they probably seem little to other people, but they mean like the world to us and it's you know, it's that thing like, you know, getting fifteen minutes to take a lunch break and um similar to like what you know Abby was talking about with the bleeps and stuff just having five minutes to grab a drink and a biscuit and um but yeah it's you know it's that the fact that people are like oh this is how it was for me so you've got to put up with it it's like that doesn't fly anymore like no it really doesn't things the, are very the different back in, now the back in my day we oh, we worked God. for literal peanuts that we had to shell ourselves yeah. whilst being nipped by dinosaurs and our shifts were 206 hours God. long and yeah I mean, but it was no yeah no yeah passing God. urine is a luxury <laughs> like I mean, for mm. goodness sake it's yeah. I know. Yeah. Get yourself like a super pubic catheter fitted. Like, how dare you want <laughs> two seconds gone, to go and sit on the loo? Why have you gone straight for super pubic when you've got your entire perineum? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't want to. I just don't want anyone sticking in any tubes up anywhere. <laughs> I think I'd just rather have a super pubic. But I'd rather no catheter at all. I know. Like, actually, why? Are we if doing I that? if I have to, like, yeah. Um. But yeah, and talking about little things that make such a big difference. Again, it's um something that was kind of mentioned in our last episode um but I think it was your experience last time Nina but some yeah. um someone had a different experience this time and it was um Umer Khan and he said that the on-call consultant took his bleep whilst he was doing clinic to free him up to do an ankle operation and he's absolutely loving his current job which is absolutely great to hear um but yeah and he's you know just that with the cons- taking the the consultant taking the bleep wouldn't have made no odds to them like they would have you know they would have known how to deal with anything and everything that came that way but it meant that this person actually got to go to theater and actually got some training (laughs) training exactly like (laughs) that forbidden forbidden words 
I know. Um, so it's yeah, it's those it's those little things. Little that things. Are... It's just making you feel valued, isn't it? Like yeah, mm-hmm. I mentioned it last time. The consultant taking my bleep as a house officer, just so yeah. I could have lunch and yeah, I still remember it. Like however mm. many years later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but something that we also mentioned on our last podcast was about kind of how we met, and that was essentially just lamenting over <laughs> over the the Tories and you yeah, want to go there. Came, you yeah, want to go we there? Came, we, we came very clo- close to like making it kind of an anti-Tory podcast. And the titties against Tories. titties against Tories. <laughs> That's this is the segment of the podcast you didn't know you needed, but here it is. It's just because I can't let these. I know, and I know you're the same. I just can't let these things slide. Like, do you know what? It's the gall of it. So basically, we've got a whole load of tweets from different Tory MPs who are posing outside food banks, acting all altruistic Righteous, when they're yeah. the ones who actually voted for mm. against free school, free school meals, meals. Yeah. yeah and then they have the audacity to actually go and stand there and be pictured mm. uh, it, it's just yeah so that was that one in particular was was Tory MP Natalie Elphick and she posted about how she'd visited a local food bank and you just want to be like bitch please like this <laughs> you've caused this mess this is like this is on you not you and your cronies at least but um it's that like virtue signaling thing again isn't it and yeah. it, it reminds me of that um you know do you know that Desmond Tutu what that phrase that he said he goes oh there comes a point where we need to stop pulling people out of the river we need mm. to go upstream and find out why they're falling in and it's like well they're not falling in they're being pushed in by the same people who are posing with these like fake life rings that they've punctured themselves it's just yeah and they have the audacity to act self-righteous like you're saying it's they actually believe their own s-h-i-t sorry they do. kids so um, that spells shit in case anyone's But yeah, no, but someone actually, like exactly no, what you said. Just in case there's kids listening in the car. Okay, it's sorry. Christmas Beep. perineum. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, that someone, I saw a good tweet that said, like say that they're not only pushing them in, but they said people like Natalie Elphick are making the riverbank as steep and as slippery as possible. And, you know, in response to that Desmond Tutu quote, but it's just like, I don't know, it's just, oh God, oh yeah. I, need, I liked yeah. I liked Farbod's tweet as well. He goes, you mustn't blame Tory MPs for visiting food banks at Christmas. It's a compulsion. Criminals must mm. always return to the scene of, scene of the crime. Yeah, yeah. They can't help themselves. They can't help um, themselves. Absolutely. The, the other yeah. one I think we just wanted to mention was um, good old Dominic Raab. Deciding to rock up at his local hospital with six mince pies and a bottle of ce- a box of celebrations, which you know what I mean. That's just saved the NHS there and then. Like, I can't, yeah. Thank, I can't thank even God comment. for Dominic Rob. It's one... just like again, it's this virtue signalling, like, and mate, you're a, you're a bloody millionaire. Like, at least get two tubs of celebrations. He's a beeping beep hole, honestly. Just yeah, it's. Um, and you just, I feel like I just know that he claimed for those mince pies and the <laughs> yes, celebrations on his, on his expenses as well. Like, he did. We just know that. We just know that. But Wasn't there that you Tory know, MP who claimed £1 for parking on the park? I know, when they went to the food, food bank. bank. Yeah, I think that was earlier this year. That was just vile. Um, but you know who else everyone hates, Nina? <laughs> Hang on, who? I'm not up to date. Neurosurgeons. Neurosurgeons. Everyone hates neurosurgeons. But do you know who I thought everyone loved? Who? Hang on, I'm not... Oh, yes. Pediatricians. Oh, my God. These segues are getting harder. It's getting harder. Um, 
But but maybe not actually. I generally thought everyone loved pediatricians. Like I thought they were a well loved subspecialty of medicine. <sighs> And this is a tweet. We're talking about a tweet by Dean. So he says, why whenever I say I want to be a, a pediatrician, do nine out of 10 people look at me with despair or sigh? It's becoming quite tiresome. I honestly can't think of a more re- uh, rewarding career path. I know it's not for everyone, but don't shoot me down because of it. Who the hell is shooting him down for wanting to be a pediatrician? Nine, nine out of ten people. Who are literally? these people? Like, I don't. I Dean, really you're in don't the wrong crowds, it. my friend. You're in the wrong crowds. But, but no, like, like when people say they hate certain specialties, like neurosurgeons and stuff, like I can understand that in a, on some level. Because I have met some absolute corkers in my time, and there are other specialties like that. But pediatricians, like I, I genuinely thought that was—they're the nice ones, yeah, and they're the clever ones. Because I have to know yeah, about oh my every God, yeah. single system. Yeah, they terrify me in that respect, actually, because they are like, yeah, insanely clever. Um, but Tom Knowles very rightly said, like, why does just people? Why do people just feel the need to like shit on other people's choices altogether? It happens time and time again, doesn't it? People just need to mind their own beeswax. Like, seriously. 100%. I did, um, I liked Thrusha's response to, to Dean, though. He's, Thrusha can always be kind of relied upon, Carney for like a, a wholesome response. Yeah. And he, um, he described pediatricians at like, as, as like iron fists in velvet gloves. And I just think that's really accurate. And I also think Thrusha definitely looks like the type that would own velvet gloves. <laughs> yes. Like, that's, he... how, that's how he made that, like, um, comparison is because he's like someone who does would have velvet gloves which is not a bad thing no velvet glove is perfect for like a little hamster to kind of (laughs) god your obsession with hamsters is bizarre (laughs) i do not get it um but uh yeah i guess it it takes um it takes this is i think this is a a good one to end on for this segment um but again it takes all sorts doesn't it to you know we need people covering every specialties i don't want to end with this segment you you take this one i'm gonna take this one and there's nothing really to say about it but i just think it leads us into our next part quite nicely um and fess hole has been mentioned quite a few times on this podcast i know Thrusha and imran are a big fan of it um and essentially it's a concept where people make anonymous confessions um and this one was quite medical related and that was posted yesterday so on hang the on 29th, isn't, isn't the fess hole a medical one anyway no fess hole is everything oh, i think I yeah see, it's everything but um so someone someone uh confessed when i worked as a hca in a hospital i was asked to remove a dressing from a diabetic gentleman's foot the bandage was a bit sticky so i gave it a small tug and his little toe came off with the dressing he didn't notice so i just put it in the bin <laughs> oh my goodness i mean that's like the best what would you have done in that situation what would you have done i actually have a really bad vomit reflex like i i can't <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all for some reason. Oi. I don't know why. I don't know. Like sometimes if I, I've had a patient in my room who's vomited and then I've done like a sympathy vomit with them. Oh my I'm, God. I'm off. I can't control it. But I mean, oh. but the little toe, that's like the little, that's like the worst little piggy to lose. That's a little piggy that goes wee, wee, wee all the way home. He ain't weeing anywhere now, love. <laughs> He's gone. But no, I just think I just think like, oh my god, what would I have done in that situation? And I would I would have I would have put it in a little container and given it to him. So like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> like a little specimen part, like when you used to have your stitches out as kids, be like, oh, I'm keeping yeah. this for forevermore. <laughs> well, he might want to keep it. He as might. A, like, you're right. You I'm know. sure he would have rather have kept it on his actual foot, like but in a pot's no different. Get some um, meat pour, some surgical tape. 
I'd have yeah. just kind of taped it back stuck, on. Stuck it back on, wait for the next person. Super to <laughs> Fritz stick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I'd like quickly bandage it up and say, oh, Bethan, can you just, uh, just <laughs> take, just take a look bandage? at this gentleman's foot, please? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Like, what um, did you do? You. <laughs> yeah. My, my face just cannot tell like any lies. Like it just speaks volume. And I just, I just know that like it would have been very deadly obvious that I was pulled off an old man's toe essentially like there'd have been no hiding that whatsoever I think I'd have um, just frozen in horror yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely but yeah I thought that would like lead us on to our little um new section uh, that we want to introduce and I think um quite a few of you might have seen the um the page that we made but yeah um Thanks to our kind of reception after last time, which again, we're very, very grateful for. We were given the chance to come back and do this takeover episode. But for some reason, unbeknownst to us, Imran and Tharusha gave us the go ahead to actually do something that, you know, something of our own, something that we kind of wanted to do differently to the usual two medic stuff. And we came up with this idea of kind of being a two medics, agony ant kind of duo. Um and again, I don't know all why. Your questions in the best <laughs> way possible. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust advice off either of us. Like no. I feel like I can. Hell no. I can say that hand no. on heart. It's one of those things I'm quite sure of in life is not to take advice and off myself or or, or me. <laughs> um, I've come up with some good ideas. You liked my hamster. You coming up with I, Christmas oh, perineum. I love. I loved, I've loved your hamster, but that wasn't that wasn't like a solution to anything. <laughs> that was just what it is. Um, but yeah, so we we asked we asked you for your um your problems and dilemmas and conundrums and we had lots of great tweets and, and dms and unfortunately we won't get from uh, get through them all tonight but we thought we would just mention a few to start off and if this yes. doesn't take an absolute flop or doesn't take an absolute nosedive i should say then we may we may be allowed co- to come back and do some more but yeah. it completely depends how awful absolutely <laughs> and also is. all the dms can be anonymous we won't give of course give away any names at all but should we start start with that tweet from Amy Lewis yes or Amy Louise Amy Louise Louise. sorry 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 um, Amy Louise she's a fellow fellow valley sister she wrote (laughs) just do you know her yeah I was in school with her boyfriend yeah oh really yeah but we only realized that like over Twitter we were like hang on a second oh oh, that's so cute um she said just accidentally sent my registrar three kisses when texting him about tomorrow's list and now I don't know whether I apologize or do I just own it and send three kisses after everything I message him like hi at canteen want a coat kiss 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 patient gone home kiss 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 I've consented or kiss 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 I thought that was so good. And it's it's easily something oh, either so of us would have ended up doing done. as well, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, but d- I know I know Amy didn't ask for our advice on that, but we're gonna give it anyway. Oh, because hell that's yeah. just that's just what, what we, we do. do. Yeah. Um but yeah, there was there were some really great like great replies to that as well, wasn't there? Um there My was one advice about- would be like you gotta phase it out. So I think you have to like go through like do it really slowly, like two kisses and a hug. And then like two kisses and an emoji, like a smiley face, just like just gradually phase it out. And so he won't notice. Someone actually, um, someone, I'll, I'll tell you mine in a sec, but something along the similar lines, someone actually um, mentioned about like weaning it off as well. And they actually gave Amy like a program. Like they actually, <laughs> did they? They actually told them how, how, how many days and, and what. <laughs> 
<laughs> really pisses to <laughs> So someone's obviously thought about that a lot. But um, but my advice would be to essentially change identities, burn your phone, get a new number, leave the Ron the Valleys and leave your training number. So good luck with that. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. It's it's like, it's endearing, I think. And it totally depends like who it comes from, doesn't it? You can just laugh it off. And- Have you ever done that before yourself? Well, I've made more, well, I've made loads of blunders. Like I'm not even going to pretend I'm not that person who, who doesn't, but, um, I've, I made, I made an email blunder once and it was with, I was a medical student. I was doing my elective and I was doing a, a neurology elective and my supervisor, I'd got to know her quite well, but it was still very much like a professional relationship and she'd left me the keys to her office. So I locked up and I went to email her and said, I meant to say I've leave I've left the keys up in your in tray because it was on this higher shelf, but instead oh I God, emailed. Oh God! What did you say? I've left the keys up in your uterus, and I don't. <laughs> what? I don't How did you get? I don't know. I was just typing, and it just changed. And I'd sent it, and I had this like really scathing response back. And I was just like, "Hang on a second. It was clearly a typo, but she, yeah, essentially she was like, "Why do you want to assault me?" And I was like, "No, I don't." <laughs> This is your perineum on the brain. This is oh what happened. Oh my god! Oh god! I've just re- yeah. Of course, it's all yeah. But um, God, that's just one of like many, many, many I can yeah that I've done. What about yourself? Um. Oh God! Like you said, so many. But the probably one of the worst ones that I've handled is um. It was like during when we first moved to like telephone consults and it was like my last patient on the list and I'd had like a fairly easy clinic so I'd had a bit of time. I was quite chill. And I was speaking to this, this guy in his like 80s, this patient um, in his 80s. And at the end, I said, um, all right, love you. Bye. And we both kind of froze. Oh, he, he went, that's really lovely. Like he thought I was serious. So then I was like, oh, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? So I had, so I was like, well, I don't love you, but... I do care about you. I ended up having this like pseudo breakup with this. <laughs> I handled it so awful. Oh like, my god! I do value our, you know, our relationship, and I, I do care about you, but I don't, I don't love you. And I was like, oh, I handled it so badly. And then I, afterwards, I went to the practice manager. I said, look, um, I don't. There's a complaint you. coming out. <laughs> I said, yeah. there may be a complaint because I kind of. Told a patient I loved him and that I had to break up with him <laughs> like over the phone. It was awful. Yeah, oh, I'm not very good. In these what a roller coaster of emotions in that single consultation. Like it really was. I you're felt a heartbreaker, like Nina. Heartbreaker. <laughs> heartbreaker. Um, but yeah, the next next one along, I guess, similar lines, love lines, similar lines. Let me go. But it was it. an anonymous DM, wasn't an it? An anonymous DM. And they wrote, um, I was, um, I have a very funny question. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. So I recently had a very sexy dream about one of my consultants and now I don't know how to look them in the eye. Any advice appreciated? So I've actually gone away and looked this up and I am now um, classing myself as the two medics, uh, one mic dream expert. And uh, did you know that apparently, and I don't know who conducted this survey, it sounds like a great um, QI project for an FY1, but apparently 60% of people said they've had dreams, well, sexy dreams about, um, about their co-workers or their boss. And did you know, anonymous DMer, that apparently sex dreams are almost never 
never about sex. They're often more about wanting to make a new connection between two parts of oneself. So this particular advice column that I'm going to give to you uh, said it suggests trying to figure out what it is about your co-worker that stands out for you. Um, so this is one, obviously one, one of your consultants that you had this dream. What, what is it about them that really stands out for you? So like maybe you're in awe of their like TTO writing skills or maybe you're in awe of, I don't know, how well they suture up something. <laughs> My um, dream, I mean, I have a dream book as well and it, it has a very different take on sexy dreams <laughs> to yours. Mine, it says, um, oh, I don't know if I should read this out because I don't think this is very good advice. It's basically saying is you're concealing your, hid- your hidden feelings for this person and you should maybe... <laughs> Oh God, go. no, don't listen to this one. Don't act on <laughs> any feelings. No, go. don't. It's, no. A, it's a very old book. It's from like the 70s. And it's like, you should go forthright in your waking life and accomplish your... Yeah, don't listen. Yeah. No, uh, just go Just go for the path that you want to like. You like some yeah, part, aspect don't, don't of this go individual. For me. Yes. You're incorporating it into your life. Try and figure out what that is. Um, and good luck. And if that doesn't work, just stay out of the same room <laughs> essentially or you should really just think about all the times he's been an absolute yes, dingling and that makes and then, them repulsive yes. yeah makes them repulsive just get mad get mad to get even i'd say or imagine like a great big green snot hanging from the end of his <laughs> oh, nose and it's little else. toe falling off little in your hand falling off and you're putting it in the clinical waste bin um and i'm sure that would make him or her less sexy because who doesn't you know 10 toes is a winner <laughs> but nothing against anyone with less than we've ten given toes. very conflicting advice actually haven't we it's just the story of our like our relationship <laughs> i know it's be, very true to be quite fair <laughs> um probably time for us to move on to the <laughs> to another one last one um, but yeah, this is not something that was, um, it wasn't DM directly to us. Um, but again, something that we just thought we'd give unsolicited advice on anyway. Um, and it was a, um, it was a tweet by, um, Dr. B, um, she goes by on, on Twitter and it was essentially just giving her, um, lists of likes and asking what the best FY2 jobs would be for someone with such likes and characteristics. And it was things like humor and procedures and dealing with one patient at the time and being emotionally supportive, etc. So we thought we'd have a little think about specialties and what characteristics are best suited and um, what to do if you don't fit those characteristics and you find yourself as a bit of a, a black sheep. Black sheep, yeah. Um, and just to help out anyone who's struggling with specialty choices, essentially, because why would you not want that kind of advice from two people who don't know what they're doing <laughs> no I really don't and I'm still not sure what I want to do when I grow up so I'm still figuring it out so oh. I'm best placed to give advice on this obviously obviously what do you do if you find yourself being the black sheep in a specialty maybe you're in like you're the nice leave. person <laughs> just leave <laughs> simple as that leave no but I, I kind of I got thinking about um about like certain characteristics and because it made it made me laugh when um it was it was a Keris Morgan who kind of went straight in and she she said something about um that geriatricians were like the least controversial people on yes. on med twitter after there'd been that massive barney about geriatricians and jerrys and 
we were like, nah. But I don't know, do you think there's like a, a non-controversial specialty in medicine? I, I couldn't think of one. I would say in general, from what I've seen, I think peds, rheumatology, rheumatology seem fairly non-controversial. I can't remember are, ever yeah, having a Barney really nice. with a rheumatologist. Well, I, quite, I think pathology are quite like non um non-controversial I feel like what they tell us we just take because they're clever than us and <laughs> yes that's we need true them and they don't really kind of cause arguments um what's your take yeah, on it it's a difficult one I don't know I just yeah it's it's a difficult one and it, I thought I came up with some kind of characteristics of what I thought um people and I thought about people that we know so I thought um you know if you're someone who likes to follow money Likes to sit in dark rooms. I likes to make said, TikTok videos. Well, you said we weren't going to do this. Find a person. I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm going there. Then what? What would you do? Clearly, clearly radiology. Yeah. If um, if you love other doctors hating your guts, you love having datixes put in against you, and you know about not answering the phone quick enough, and you like to to poke brains. Why not be a neurosurgeon? Although don't actually poke the brain. Like, that's not good. That's I did learn that much. <laughs> um, and then, you know, if you're someone who might own velvet gloves, who loves donuts, who's got a massive interest in intervention. Intervention. Even though nobody knows what that means. Then what, what would you, you know, what would that suit? Cardiology, obviously. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a specialty for everyone. You got a they role, are, yeah. We got yeah. role models for each specialty on Med Twitter, haven't we? Yeah, they're all they're all controversial. All controversial, have all their classic traits. Yeah, I just think like I don't know, it's hard, isn't it? Because uh, there's that BMA thing that you can do if you if you remember that kind of you you fill in like lots of questions and it tells you like what specialties spe- oh, you're yes. you're best suited at. That's kind of the sensible road to go down it. Um, Does anybody but, actually yeah. end up in that specialty? Because I, I didn't. God, I never in a million years thought I was going to be <laughs> no. a new researcher. Like it was never, and they ne- they never told me that as well. It's like, no, girl, that's that's not for you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? I guess it's lots to lots to be said for like shadowing weeks and and stuff like that. If we get a bit more serious, but um, oh yeah, you're taking this into a serious. Vein. Oh no, I don't know. I just like no. Ultimately, just go on Med Twitter, see who's the least annoying, and just do their specialty. Ex- exactly. That's yeah. our advice. Should we end on that note? What do end you on that note. End on that note. Oh, I did want to give um, I did want to give Caris Barton a shout out though because she said she would um hurt us if we didn't say nurses rock, which they obviously do. Um, so get yeah, Caris, you rock. Shake nurses a little. rock. Bing 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 bing. Yeah, man. Boo boo. We love you. We um, love you. But yes, we did have a lovely question from yourself as well. But we um, we'll hopefully cover some more things in the future. Um, but yeah, should we leave it at that? Yeah, and um, we hope everybody has a happy, not crappy, new year in twenty twenty two. Oh, this will be yeah. yeah. This will be going out in the new year. Bring um, it on. Do you have any like resolutions? I hate that word. Do you have any wants and hopes and wishes and dreams for twenty twenty two, Nina? Do you know what? I don't think I've ever made a New Year's resolution in my entire life. But maybe my New Year's resolution will be to get a little hamster. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I think it should. 
uh, something quite troubleful, troublesome about it. But I think you should definitely get one. <laughs> oh, to, one to come off, be off Twitter a little bit more. That was, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I'm on Twitter too much. Yeah. 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 I think I would, I hate that. I don't want to go into the whole like, I have eaten my body weight in cheese and stuff, and I don't want to add into that whole, I want to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. But I do want to get fitter because um, I am meant to be doing the Spartan race with Therusha, Jamie Sherrington, Cardio, Chris, and um, Natalie, who was on last week's uh, episode. And we're doing that in June. And I would love, 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 love not to have needed resuscitation by like the first obstacle. <laughs> so that's my hope for 2022, at least. Can I come and cheer you guys on? I want to be like yeah, a man. little cheerleader. Yeah, it's in um, it's in South Wales. Um, we should. Oh do no, like that's a... too far. I'll, oh, I'll cheer you on Any... from here. That's how that's how much we mean to you. <laughs> but yeah, anyone who's uh, kind of interested, it'll be uh, it'll be fun and painful and um, messy and bloody and all of those things. Really oh no, it. I'm coming to cheer you on, damn it. <laughs> as soon as you hear that there's going to be blood involved, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm up like, for that yeah, now. I'm yeah. in there, I'm in there. Perfect. Pain? Yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, thank you so much for having us back and thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Blythe and Newitha. Bye. Bye. Bye.